Hi there, welcome to Glenelg Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. How is everyone? Good. It's good to see a lot more people. It's good to see a lot more people. Here we go. I've been on leave for three weeks. I would say it was holiday. Hi, Lexi. Got a little text in very quickly this time. I hope you've been good for mummy. It is a very important day tomorrow, isn't it, everyone? A very important day. It is one of the most important days in our uh, household, uh, the day that uh, Holly and I both look forward to um, all year because of the Super Bowl tomorrow. The Super Bowl is on and, and we, we, we look forward to it and, and I'm meant to be, my cousins are meant to be coming to watch the game um, with me, but he, he messaged me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I'm not able to come to Super Bowl this year, um, it's Valentine's Day and my wife wants to hang out with me. <laughs> Does anyone celebrate Valentine's Day here? Just a show of hands, just a little show of hands. Every day, every day, good, good, good. It's... <laughs> But it is Valentine's Day tomorrow, and on that note, I thought I'd share a, a semi-relevant uh, Valentine's story. Um, has anyone ever written a love letter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go, there we go. Uh, I imagine it's more likely to come from those uh, my generation, older, uh, because for the most part, you know, the ones younger are probably sending love texts or snaps or tweets. Um, <laughs> but I remember I wrote this one letter to Holly. Uh, we weren't dating at the time, but I would very much have liked to be dating, um, and this, this was the purpose of the letter, right? Uh, and I wrote it one night because writing meant that I could get down all my thoughts, all my words in order, uh, and, it, and it wouldn't come out in a bumbling mess. As a side note, the, the day I proposed to Holly, it did all come out in a bumbling mess. Um, never start your proposals with, I've been lying to you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyway, it worked, so that was all very good. Anyway, back to the letter, back to the letter. I'm, I'm writing this letter down, right? Um... I'm writing this letter and putting a lot of effort into it and taking time because my handwriting is terrible. Um, but so I write this letter and, 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 and it's finished and I put it in an envelope and I'm like, all right, now I've just got to give it to her, which is like the second hardest part, right? It's like deciding to write a letter is hard and then actually giving it to them when you're not quite sure how it's going to go. And so I've got this letter and it's in, it's in my car and a day goes by and then another day goes by. And then it was the end of the week, and, and this letter was still in the car. And I was like, when am I going to give it to this letter? What is she going to say? And, the, and then another week goes by, and I'm like, what? Well, how am I going to give it to her? There's not, was, was there any point in giving it to her anymore? It's been, it's been two weeks now. Nothing's changed, but now it's like, ah. and, and And so after a month of having this letter for Holly, after a month of having this letter, I, I threw it out. Uh, she never saw the letter. Um, I told her about it like previously, and she was like, why don't you give me the letter? And I'm like, I, I throw it out. What a waste of time writing that love letter was, right? Luckily for us, these letters that were written, that weren't a waste of time in writing. And our next little series is going to be going through one of the letters that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. So today we're going to go and talk a little bit about uh, an intro to Ephesus. 
as well as look in the first part of Ephesians. And we, so we know if we have read the book of Acts before, Paul's already been to Ephesus. And so this letter that he's writing is an encouragement to both the community of Jews that lived there, um, that, that had converted, and to the new Gentile converts um, since Paul has left. So Ephesus, we have Ephesus, we have a major city in the Roman Empire, the, the largest city in the richest area of the Roman Empire, and it was, in fact, the third largest city overall. The city of Ephesus was multi-ethnic. Um, the, indigenous, the indigenous Antolian people, they lived alongside the Egyptians, the Greeks, and the Romans, and there'd been a strong Jewish community there from about 300 BC. The difference between this Jewish community and, and the other Jewish communities that lived in other Roman cities was that these, these Jews had relative freedom in the practicing of religion. You didn't have that freedom in, in the other cities of Rome and Alexandria. And so these Jews were able to be Jews without being, uh, without being punished for being Jews, as, as some of the other were. Ephesus also has one of the ancient wonders of the world, the... the the Temple of Artemis, or the Temple of Diana, you, you, you'd know it if you've seen it, the big white temple. And Artemis is undoubtedly the most important god, the most important deity of this era, uh, of, of this area as well. And so they, they held like an Olympic Games for her each, each year. That lasted a month. So Artemis, super important. The, the goddess of fertility, the, the, there's a statue of her, the hundred-breasted goddess. That's Artemis, and this is who these people are worshipping. And, and Ephesus has this reputation for a lot of cultish practices, uh, magic, shamanism, uh, witchcraft. These are all widely practiced. And the sexual, uh, the sexual practice here are probably what you would expect of a, of a city that worships um, a goddess of fertility. We'll leave it at that. Good. And, and, and so that's, this, that's Ephesus. This is this picture of Ephesus that, that Paul visits in Acts 19. In Paul's first introduction, when, when we first see Paul introducing to us to Ephesus, he starts teaching them immediately about baptism. Side note, four baptisms next week. How exciting is that? How exciting is four baptisms next week? Let's have more. Let's have more. If you haven't been baptized, go and talk to Gary. We're going to have the pool out. Sorry, sorry. Baptism's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, so Paul's teaching about baptism and the, the repentance baptism um, that John was providing compared to the, the baptism of Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. And further down in Acts chapter 19, we read about these people in Ephesus who see what Paul is doing. They see the way Paul is operating, and Paul and his followers are operating, and, and they start doing things in the name of Paul. They start doing things as Paul is doing them. They're, they're copying Paul. And so in Acts 19.15, um, we see that sometimes this doesn't go so well. Um, some Jews were going around driving out evil spirits, trying to invoke the name of Jesus um, over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of, of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And so we're going to read that story, verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear 
and the name of the Lord Jesus was held high in honour. Many of those who now believe, who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to about 50,000 drachmas, which is about 50,000 days' wages. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. These Jewish exorcists, they didn't know Jesus. They only know about Jesus, and they were trying to evict these spirits by doing the actions that Paul did, without having the same relationship through the Holy Spirit that Paul had. So, in, an, in, a, non-spiritual, uh, in a non-spiritual comparison, it would be like me rocking up to the senior PGA tour, because I know who Gary is, thinking that because I know Gary, I can play golf as good as Gary does, but without any talent or practice or investment into golf myself. I've seen Gary swing a club. How hard can it be? <laughs> that's, what, that's what these Jewish people uh, were doing. They were doing the things that followers of Jesus were doing, but without following Jesus themselves. And as we continue going through this, this passage in Acts, we saw Paul preaching and teaching more with his disciples sharing the gospel. And this is starting to create a bit of a stir, right? Because we remember that Ephesus is fairly tolerant of, of a lot of deities, as long as Artemis is the most important. And here comes Paul, Paul and his disciples preaching this different way, teaching the gospel, inviting people into relationship with the one true God. That's got to rub some people up the wrong way, right? And it did. Who are you to tell me what is true? Who are you to say who the one true God is? Who are you to impose your truth on me? Are we talking about Ephesus or are we talking about today? There's a lot of similarities to this passage and how we, how we see life today because this society that we live in, it enables us to have our truth and you to have your truth. And as long as we're not harming each other, no harm done, right? That's what society is telling us today, but that's, that's not the story of the gospel of Jesus. Paul's message is drawing people away from the worship of Artemis, and that is affecting the economy, and that is affecting the livelihood of some who live there, especially the silversmiths, especially those who are making statues and shrines and trinkets for Artemis that you would buy and have in your home. Now these people are losing income. And they, when people lose income, get a little bit frustrated. They get a little bit mad. They get outraged because there's danger not only that their way of life is being affected by these these new Christians, but it's also bringing down the importance of Artemis. It's also disrespecting the temple of of this goddess and disrespecting the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout this area. They didn't want to see Artemis be divine, uh, robbed of her divine majesty. And so there is chaos. These silversmiths, they rally together. These people, uh, they get their friends and, and they, they cause a riot. People are mad. And Paul, Paul wants to go out and address the people, uh, probably preaching a little bit more gospel to them, which is probably not quite the smartest move. Um, and his disciples know. So the disciples convince him, no, don't go for Don't go um, and preach But the city clerk goes to them. The city clerk addresses the crowds and warns them, this uprising, it's not valid. 
And if you keep this uprising going, then the Roman Empire is going to come, and the Roman Empire doesn't, doesn't deal nicely with riots. They just come and squash you. And so the, the people disperse because of the fear of the Roman Empire. And as they do that, Paul leaves. <laughs> he kind of causes a whole lot of drama, and then he leaves. And so this letter is written into the city uh, that he's been gone from for five years. So join with me if you'd want. Ephesians 1, here we go. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Paul's introduction here must read way better in Greek uh, because it's a poetic, a poetically crafted exclamation of praise to God. The, the Jews who would have read this would have thought back to the Psalms of worship, the Psalms of praise um, that, that we can read about today. It is written to remind them and remind us primarily of the necessity of worshipping our Father for who He is, for what He has done, what He is doing and will do for His people. And Paul reminds the church, he reminds the church that it is not just the Father, but it is also Jesus Christ who is worthy of praise and adoration. Because we remember or we learn that traditional Jewish teaching doesn't include Jesus as the Son of God. So here Paul is, is making sure that the, the people in Ephesus know that they are equal, that, that the Father and the Son are one and they are worthy of our praise. He is the person, Christ is the person through whom they are redeemed, through whom we are redeemed. And Christ is the focus of God's eternal plan. And so Paul starts this letter addressing the followers of Jesus there who are mostly meeting in house churches. This was 
this was the way it happened at the time. There'd been a large growth numerically in the attendance of and the number of house churches going in the five years since Paul um, has visited. And, and in this growth, there's been a lot of Gentiles added to their number. And these, these Gentiles, and some of the Jews as well, as we, we read about in Acts, they're kind of letting some of the practices of society creep back in, right? Some of this witchcraft, some of this magic, some of these sexual practices, they're coming back in. And so this is a, a letter um, of encouragement, of, of reminder, of rebuke, and teaching about the one true God and the importance of worshipping Him. He speaks into society, into the ways in which society works and has begun to influence people again. And He reminds them, He teaches them that it is Christ. Christ is the one who provides all that they need. He references the spiritual realm, the creation of the world, knowing that in Ephesus, still they're drawn up in the worship of these gods who live in the spiritual realm. The worship of Artemis, of Apollo, of Zeus, those are who society is praying to, but they're praying to the wrong God. We know, we know they're praying to the wrong God. And so they pray to Artemis for, for children, and they, they pray to Apollo for something else, for Zeus for something else. And in just this, this first two verses of, of this passage, he reminds them that God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, created the very realm that these gods live within. Our God created the very realm that these ones live with them, and, and they would have heard that and go, oh, yeah. Or they would have heard that and got a little bit like, I need to learn more. A great reason they would have had to think to worship God was because he created, he created the realm that those who they thought that they needed to worship live within. It would have been a challenge to worship a challenge to praise the one true God. He reminds the churches in Ephesus, and he reminds us as we, read, as we read, that we are adopted into his family. This spoke powerfully to the readers uh, of Paul's letter at the time. Adoption was a common practice in the Roman Empire. If you were adopted, you gained full legal status as a child of the new family. There was no distinction between a birthed son and an adopted son, or a birthed daughter and an adopted daughter. They were the same. They had the same rights, the same status, the same inheritance. And so becoming adopted into God's family, by being adopted as sons and daughters of God, they truly became... They truly become, we truly become sons and daughters of God. The former status, whether that be son to a criminal, daughter to a prostitute, whether you're an orphan, a loner, a, a person who practices witchcraft, that status is gone. That status is gone. You are a child of God. And that adoption is still true for us today. We are all adopted. He wants to adopt us all into his family as sons and daughters of God. And this is another reason to remember him in our worship. And at the end of these, this little passage of, of verses of giving praise and glory to God and showing us why we should give praise and glory to God, he comes full circle to his first moments in Ephesus, teaching about the Holy Spirit reminding his followers, those who had been baptized into Christ's baptism, that they are sealed, that they are marked, that they are identified by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that we know demonstrates love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The one who guides us to help us walk the path of a Christ follower in a city where you can follow any and all amount of human-made gods. The same spirit that empowered Christ, the same spirit that drove out demons, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was available to them and is available to us today. The spirit that joins you to Christ, that spirit, Paul teaches, is a reason to worship. I think over the next few weeks, as, as we look uh, in the story of Ephesians, we are going to see so many similarities to how life in society is at the moment, to how life in society was in Ephesus, and, 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 and the way of life that we walk today. As we walk together, remember the start of this passage. Remember what Paul encouraged us to do. Praise and worship the one true God. Focus on that. And the way we live out our lives will flow a lot better than if we focus on how to live our lives and then try and remember the one true God at the end. Ask the Spirit to reveal more of Himself to you. Ask Him to guide your steps. Allow Him to help you live a life in a city that throws all amount of human-made gods at you. So you can live a life connected to the one God who made you, who perfects you, who sustains you. Let's pray together. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org. Hope you have a great day.